You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Now a pass in front of Zach scores! Michael Bunting continues his hot hand. Back to Matthews. Room to shoot, and he does, and he scores! Austin Matthews with that wicked snapshot into the top shelf. It's 2-0 Toronto. Chipped along the boards by the Leafs. Carried out by Camp. On the wing and a shot. Scores! Angle into the empty net. Nylander driving to the empty net. Scores! He blew by Victor Hedman like a hoop around a barrel. Matt Murray is going to pick up his eighth win of the season. And the game is over. Big win last night for the Buds. 4-1 over the Tampa Bay Lightning. They stopped the skid and stopped Tampa's winning streak as they had won five in a row heading into that game. I'm Mike DiStefano. This is Leafs Lunch. And I've got Dave Festruck of the Toronto Star in for Julia Tashery today as she's uh, she's gone for the next couple of weeks on World Juniors Beat. So Dave stopping by. And what a treat the Maple Leafs put on last night. Uh, uh, just honestly, a sound, solid performance against a team that is one of the best in the league, has been a, a dynasty, I think we could say at this point, and Toronto just kind of took them to the woodshed. I mean, that was as thorough a performance as the Leafs have had all year, Al's brother. I mean, you look at the numbers, I couldn't believe you know what we were seeing in a lot of ways in terms of the shot share where you end up shooting out shooting them 40 to 19 that's 68% shot share is, is the highest the Leafs have had all year. And again, again, to your point, it comes against, you know, a team that's been one of the banes of their existence. You know, their expected goals was 80%, which is the highest of the year. This wasn't just another good performance. Just, this was the best performance by a lot of measures that the Maple Leafs have put on for this entire season. And I think that it's important. Like, we were talking about this yesterday. I, I was at least heading into the game, how – you know, sometimes we clown on these random Tuesday night games in December, right, where we're yep. sitting there in April and like, oh, who cares about that random? This wasn't a random Tuesday night game in December. This was an important victory. And with a team that was surging against the Leafs who had, you know, a couple of losses in a row, and I thought for them to really put it together and put on a performance like that was big and picking up two points and, and kind of stretching that lead that they had on the Tampa Bay Lightning because – they lose that game, Tampa now all of a sudden, they would have been one point back with two games in hand still. So in terms of points percentage, Lightning would have been able to flip the Leafs last night and get over them, but Toronto was was fantastic. Um, one of the bigger storylines that really came out of the game though last night was this whole Michael Bunting situation with linesman Dan Kelly. I mean, you know, you've been covering the game for, for a long time, and from time to time we see it happening. You know, Darcy Tucker got in on the fun. He kind of shot a tweet over to Michael Bunting saying, yeah, Happened to the best of us, which I thought was kind of funny. But, I mean, what were your thoughts on that whole situation? For those who, I guess, missed the game, Michael Bunting was kind of beaking off with the ref uh, at the end of the first period, and uh, the linesman, Dan Kelly, kind of grabbed him and was pushing him off the ice and trying to get him into the tunnel uh, for the intermission and was doing it 
rather aggressively. And yeah. uh, luckily, you know, Bunty was able to stay on his skates. But, like, there's a lip there. And if he would have clipped the back of his skate and could have fallen, like, who knows what could have happened. I, yeah. I felt like it was, you know, crossing a line um, by Dan Kelly. So what, what were your thoughts on that whole situation? My thoughts were exactly the same. It was it was excessive, excessive force used by the linesman. And then part of it, it looked worse than maybe it was because Bunting did lose his balance as he was yeah. being pushed off the ice by Dan Kelly. But look, Dan Kelly, people in Toronto remember this guy. Like, he showed questionable judgment as a player in the minor leagues, most notably and egregiously when he concussed Andreas Janssen, who was a member of the Marlies at the time, of course, former Leaf Andreas Janssen, that was like a 10-game suspension for a, like a ridiculously violent hit to the head of Andreas Janssen that Dan Kelly took when he was in the Devils minor league system as a player. That was only a few years back. I guess it was 2016. And uh, near the end of Dan Kelly's not particularly noteworthy minor league hockey career. And now he's showing a lack of judgment as an NHL linesman. And you have to believe, I'm not sure what kind of, I'm not sure he deserves a 10-game suspension for this no. particular egregious sin, but it, it doesn't look good for the league when the re, when the linesmen are like that. And and you're right, Darcy Tucker's uh, little clip there that he that he threw out on social media of Mick Magoo, one of the great names in the what history of officiating. Mick Magoo <laughs> tossing Darcy Tucker off the ice like he was a rag doll because Mick Magoo was a strong man. Uh, that was great, and it was funny, but this wasn't funny, Al's brother. Dan Kelly doing this to Michael Bunting was not funny, and you're right. It could have been worse if, Mike, if, if Michael Bunting falls backwards and hits his head. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. I remember uh, speaking of great official names, when I was calling, uh, calling hockey games back at, at Western, um, there was a, a CIS referee in that, in that little you know, in that area of southern western Ontario, Dusty McCrank. It was such an unbelievable name. Oh, I'll never like forget that. it. Dusty McCrank. I think he's still doing, like, some OHL stuff. He's still in the game officiating. I, I think I've seen him on a couple of broadcasts, but uh, it's it's a great name, Dusty Yeah, yeah, the, the, the all-time officiating team. Yeah, you got Mr. McCrank and Mr. Magoo. I love it. That's right. It's, it's great. You got the MC and then, like, something after that. It, it, it's usually a pretty pretty sound name uh on the line we had a guy who played many years in the nhl probably had uh you know a dust up or two with an official potentially himself also the first up uh co-host it's carlo coliacovo what's up coco what's up boys ab i was always a lover never, never a fighter buddy no dust ups <laughs> for me not a single one not a single dust up with an official where you know you were going just you know maybe beaking off a little too much and got a little handsy with you not once well you're always beaking off at the officials when you're playing um i think that's just a common thing that is adopted once you enter the league but i mean i never got into an altercation like that i had referees you know trying to out muscle me in scrums or in fights to pull me off piles and stuff like that but never anything of what we witnessed last night and Look, I was on the broadcast last night, and uh, you know I touched on it quite a bit after the intermission, even after the game. It's an aggressive move by the by the young referee Dan Kelly there, and you know I was sitting beside Drager as he's commuting with communicating with people um, in uh, in the NHL, and everyone's feeling was kind of the same, um, you know. But you know, at the same time, you got to understand that this is a young referee that. Um, probably went uh, further than he probably should have in his 
uh, confrontation with with um, Michael Bunting there, and uh, probably was a little bit excessive. And I think the worst time for him to do that would be on a national broadcast like the Leafs because it would get the attention that it did last night. So yeah. I, I don't know if there's much punishment that comes out of this. I would imagine that there's definitely going to be a phone call, maybe even a sit-down. I would hope there's maybe even an apology from Dan Kelly to Michael Bunting because, you know, as you guys were, were touching on before I came in, uh, you know, the last thing you wanted to see there was anybody get hurt, especially Michael Bunting, because it is right. through the open door and he is backwards. And, you know, all I said on the broadcast yesterday was what would we be talking about today if that was Michael Bunting, you know, being that aggressive with an official? Right, we're yeah. talking about a player probably facing some conduct, and so look, it's 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 something that they brushed over, which I you know I agree the fact that you know you you bring attention to it, you brush it off, and you move on. But uh, clearly, there has to be some sort of accountability held here because the player would be held accountable if that was him. Absolutely, he would have, which is why I think you know something will happen. I don't know. I, I heard some talk online about how he should be suspended. I, I don't necessarily think that'll be the case. A little bit of a heat of the moment. And luckily, Bunting was okay. He kind of laughed it off afterward. And in the post game, same thing with, uh, you know, his teammates and, and Sheldon Keefe. But when you talk so, about Bunting's so performance to the entire Here's team. the thing, A.B. Sorry. Sorry, before you move on, I just want to, you know, bring attention to the fact that we can laugh about it today. But think about the jokes that the players on the Maple Leafs are going to have with Michael Bunting now for the rest of the season about how basically he got owned by a linesman. <laughs> <laughs> ragdolled by the linesman. I know. Now he's getting ragdolled. But, I mean, but, but Bunting's, like, here's the thing about about Bunts. Like, I, I, I love his game. I love the antics. You know, he's kind of like a, a mm-hmm. bit of a, a baby Marchand in a way where he's, what was he nicknamed? The Dirty Rat? Like, for a reason. And, and But he's not somebody right. who will drop the mitts like he's he's a physical player in a way he likes to kind of get up in your face but he's not someone who's gonna go out there and, and actually fight so you know when he's getting in, into it with the officials it's it, you know he's not a big guy it's not hard to kind of get ragdolled i guess when you're like 180 no. pounds and uh, you know no. dan kelly looked like a pretty you know pretty pretty big guy to be quite honest with you um but michael bunting as, as i was saying it just really, I think, was the star of traction of last night. There was the, the thing with Kelly, but also, like, I thought that he was fantastic and really kind of stirred the drink and got the energy going for the team last night, opened the scoring, he was yeah. out there chirping, he was in every scrum, just being the traditional uh, Michael Bunting, the way that he needs to play in order to give this team, uh, you know, as much of a jolt as he possibly can. Um, what did you make of, of Bunting's, the whole package and, and the impact he had on last night's game? Well, he definitely had the Energizer batteries fully charged because you're absolutely right. Uh, he, that's what he does. He, he finds a way to make an impact in the game. And, you know, most of the time it's getting under the opponent's skin. I mean, you saw how, um, you know, he, he initiated, you know, Mikhail Sergachev to get off of his game. You know, you saw Kucherov take a shot at him that drew a penalty. So that's what you come to love uh, with with Michael Bunting and the way that he plays. and But to be honest with you, he, he, he created energy with his line mates because Austin Matthews and William Nylander, that whole line together, were the three best players on the ice last night. Um, and, you know, Matthews was, was beast mode, was activated. You saw, you know, his, 
um, you know, his dominance with and without the puck, and he scored a big goal, and he just looked like he's starting to get his form back, which is what we, you know, with what we expect to see from him based on, you know, the, the step that he took last year. So credit to Bunting. Look, this guy's been hot in his own uh, in his own game with, you know, he had a streak goal and that ended on Saturday, but he found a way to get that um, – to get back on that train with a big contribution in last night's game. And that's what they're going to need, right? I mean, you go out and get a Dryden Hunt, you know, you, you turn a, a declining asset and into Dennis Malkin into sort of a, a new exciting project with, with uh, Dryden Hunt and what he could potentially bring. And, you know, there's comparables of, you know, sort of the, the, the characteristics that you see out of Michael Bunting. And if that's the case, you know that's that's just a, a, another added feature that that's that that could be you know another positive for this group in in what's been a a couple months of a lot of positive things uh, with this team. So these two teams, Carlo, we all know there's a very good chance they could end up meeting yet again in the first round of the playoffs this season. Um, so there's always these mind games that go on between these two teams, the way I see it. And you know we talked last year, uh, Sheldon Keefe got mocked widely for speaking about the respect in the handshake line that the Maple Leafs received from the Lightning after they were eliminated. There was no such respect given by head coach John Cooper of the Tampa Bay Lightning last night, really took a, took his own team to task, blamed the loss on being in Toronto for three days before the game, uh, and essentially gave the Leafs zero credit for the victory. What did you make of that? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, it's not surprising coming from John Cooper because he's always really, really good at knowing what to say, when to say it, and where to say it. I mean, coming into Toronto, he knows making comments like that are going to, you know, gather the attention that, you know, that, that it probably, uh, that, that he's looking to get from it. I mean, you can even go to the pregame, uh, or even a couple days before when he was interviewed and he was talking about how he loves coming to Toronto because he won a Calder Cup at the Rico Coliseum. He loves yes. passing by Hotel X because they won a Stanley Cup there. He loves passing by Scotiabank Arena because they beat the Leafs in Game 7. All these little things that he kept referring to were just little jabs that he kept throwing at Leafs and Leafs fans. And look, well, What mean, about yesterday's he, when he was... Was it yesterday when he was asked about Nick Paul? He's like, "Oh yeah, he he provides right. us two goals in Game Seven. <laughs> right? He's all he's always really quick to 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 give fresh reminders of things that may uh, hit a nerve with some Leaf fans or people in Toronto. So uh, very strategic with his words, very strategic with his methods, and I'm not surprised that he did that last game. He 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 put all the attention on his own team. Um, which deservingly so needed, you know, to get the attention because they were awful. Uh, they were absolutely awful. And, you know, he's a very experienced and veteran coach knowing that he didn't need to go in after the game and yell and scream and start tossing tables and stuff like that to get to the, to get the guys to understand, you know, that their effort wasn't, um, you know, met to expectations. He's got a veteran group there, a veteran leadership group too that, probably understands that they need to bounce back uh, tonight in Detroit. And that's some of the best things about hockey is when you have a game like that, it's almost best to get back playing the next night so you can quickly erase those uh, those memories. But, 
Um, that's what makes John Cooper who he is. I mean, he's 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 very um, cerebral, you should say, with uh, the, the the seeds that he's planting, with the words that he uses, and you know the the direction that he's pointing those. So uh, good on him, and it, it it really might set up another series where you know you could look at you know messages, or you could look at. Uh, you know, different methods that that you may see or may use throughout the season that will create more intrigue for another playoff series if they meet in the playoffs. In conversation with Carla Koliakovo, former uh, NHLer and co-host of First Up with Korolnik and Koliakovo. Um, John Tavares, you know, I didn't think he had a bad game, and I don't think that he's been playing poorly of late either. But just two goals in his last 12 games after after a hot start to the season. Do, do you think that maybe the early magic is starting to fade here, or is this just part of the lulls of, of a, a season? Yeah, I don't have a problem at all with John Tavares' game. And, you know, you could have probably made the same argument for Austin Matthews in the same same slow start that he got off to, but... Um, I, I think, you know, sort of the the mindset that we're seeing into this team, even when Marner was going on his point streak where he was only getting like a point a game to get that to continue, mm-hmm. this team has looked like they've they've changed their, their philosophy in the way that they play. And clearly you can see with the way that they play that they're playing so – with so much structure defensively that sometimes when you, when you make that a primary focus, you lose your sink, you, 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 you lose your, your sort of sink and, and confidence offensively. And I don't think any of these players will complain about their lack of production right now because they're playing the way you need to play to find sustained success in this league. And if that success can, can ultimately, um, you know, build more, assurance with their mindset come playoff time, ultimately that's what it's going to be about. I mean, in a season that could have been as boring as the way the first game, 10 games started, they've provided us with their own excitement. I mean, you talk about the way the goalies have played, the adversity that defense has, has overcome and some of the personal point streaks that uh, each player has, has had. Those are the fun things to pay attention to. I don't really want to focus on a lot of the the negative production or the the slumps that guys are going through right now because as a team they're playing the best brand of hockey we've seen this group play in the in in the longest time and i think that's the focus of this group moving forward yeah absolutely i mean you take a look at the leafs since november 12th which was the day that uh, tj brody had left the lineup he since returned but since then the team is second in the nhl in in goals against per 60 their defensive metrics have, have really risen with all the injuries and the adversity that that blue line has overcome. And I'm curious, you know, as somebody who played in the league, like how how exactly does it help the blue line when the forwards, like why is it so different that it's helping these guys with the forwards playing a fully bought-in game and it's five guys back, hard on the back check. Like how is that helping this blue line excel right now as well? Well, I think the biggest focus is is that, you're allowing two-foot passes to make the plays out of the zone instead of 10-foot passes to make the plays out of the zone, which, you know, at times if you're playing that stretch game and, you know, you expose yourself to turnovers, well, then you're constantly chasing the puck back into your own ends, right? So the fact that this team has bought into five-man units in, in, the, in the D zone, 
you know, it helps when you get saves. First of all, it helps when you get saves. Mm. Second of all, it helps when you when you're you know you're in you're in proper support of each other to break out of the zone. And then through the neutral zone, you're using your speed and your your transition game because they have the skill level to do that to create your offensive chances. So, you know, this team has always been vulnerable for the pretty play, you know, the the, the home run play, the breakaway play. But I think what we've seen this year, and especially with more of an emphasis to to be forced to play more defense because of the injuries, is just a complete buy-in knowing that, and there was a couple of examples yesterday where, especially in the first 10 minutes of the game where there wasn't much going on, it was the, the smart positional play that they found themselves defensively that were able to create the, uh, the transition on offense that created the chances that we saw them have in the first period, which ultimately led to the only goal we saw from Michael Bunting. So um, clearly they're seeing the, the benefits of playing that way and the results that come from it. And, I think that should be their only focus, even when guys come back, is to find a way to continue this brand of hockey because it may seem boring at nights and it may allow you to find guys in certain slumps, but ultimately it's bringing them success, so you can't really complain about it. So looking around the league, Carlo, at a, at a coach who plays some mind games who's never boring, let's talk about John Tortorella for a minute. Flyers have uh, three wins in their last ten games. They're struggling, and on Saturday night, Tortorella makes a pretty controversial move by healthy scratching Kevin Hayes, who happens to be only the leading point getter on the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, so they lose that game that in which they sit their leading point getter to the New York Rangers. Shock. They win the other night against Columbus, uh, Carlo, and Torts has asked a very you know, obvious question by a beat reporter. Essentially, how do you think Kevin Hayes played? And here's how he responded. What did you think of Hayes' game tonight, too? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not giving an update on Hayes' game. You guys, I'm not going to have the Kevin Hayes update. Uh, uh, you guys are trying to pit, pit him against me and me against him, which is so ludicrous. Uh, so I'm not giving you any update on Kevin Hayes. What do you make of that, Carlo? Yeah, it's, it's a very weird answer from John Tortorella, who just loves brutal honesty right and i know we talked to james van range like this morning on our show and that's the one thing that he highlighted that he that him and the other players really love about john tortorella is the fact that you get the straight facts you get the brutal honesty whether it is whether you want to hear it or not and you know i don't know how honest he's being in that answer that he just shared because i thought it was an honest question i mean he's the guy that decided to put the spotlight on the situation of Kevin Hayes by healthy scratching him. So I thought it was appropriate to ask that answer. Now, for him to say that, you know, the media is creating a beef between him and Kevin Hayes, we we don't know what else to speculate other than that. I mean, clearly whatever's happening has been internal and it's something that they're figuring out internal. But in today's world, it just some of that stuff just doesn't make any sense. And I know John Tortorella, there's guys that love to play for him, there's guys that hate to play for him, and he has his methods to his madness with the way he coaches. This is the way he feels sometimes um, is what helps his team stay focused and helps his team stay uncomfortable. And I know Mike Babcock used to always say it as well, too, sometimes the, the way to get the best out of your players is to make them be uncomfortable so because you know being too comfortable just allows everything else to come easy so 
I, I don't I don't quite understand that. I wish I had a better answer for you, but um, you know the team responded in the way that he had hoped. They got a win. They they played a better game yesterday. Granted, it was against Columbus, but these are the methods that he uses to create the culture that he creates, and um, obviously tries to get his players to buy into a certain way. And there's people that'll agree with it, and there's people that'll still question it moving forward. Yeah, well, look, you know, he was pretty clear that this was about, you know, the Kevin Hayes play not on the offensive side of the puck where he's been very good, but on the other side in the details of, of defensive hockey. And there's plenty of clips on the Internet of Kevin Hayes, you know, watching guys go by him and, you know, missing defensive assignments and not covering this guy and not covering that guy. So you don't need to be a hockey genius to understand Kevin Hayes has been a little lapsed on the defensive side. But. Can this really last, Carlo? Can a relationship like this really lapse, last? Because you're already hearing the talk of how this Kevin Hayes could be a buyout candidate and this guy just isn't a torts guy. Like, it, it, from a player's perspective, are there guys that just cannot play for a coach like John Tortorella? Yeah, it's tough to say, Dave. I mean, can it last? It's hard to think that it can last because, you know, part of coaches' success with their teams is building trust within the players. And trust within, especially your best players, are having, you know, levels of communication that you can both, uh, you know, have an understanding towards. Um, but, you know, also accountability. And I think what he's trying to enforce in Philadelphia is that, you know, it's not a, it's not a matter of the name on the back. It's, it's the logo in the front that you play for. And he just wants everybody to buy into playing a certain way. Um, because, you know, they are, they are a team in transition. They are a team that isn't supposed to have a lot of success this year. So maybe he's trying to um, create a culture there, even for the, the young guys that are coming in, that, you know, work ethic is going to trump any other um, skill set that you may bring to the team. Does it work with older players? It's, it's hard to think and hard to believe that it does, especially in today's game. Those are more characteristics and more, uh, coaching, um, you know, co- coaching strategies that you may use 10 years ago. But in today's, today's world, I always find the best success that you have with your players is having, you know, a, a great line of communication and a mutual respect. And I just don't know how much you gain by doing that unless there was a conversation had behind doors and there was an agreement and an understanding as to why. We probably will never find out, but from... Uh, the outside looking in, it's a bad look. Coco, did you uh, find a spot up on the mantle or somewhere in your office for your Christmas gift you received last night? I sure did, and um, <laughs> it was quite the Christmas gift from the Quizmaster, knowing that every year on December 10th, it's a special anniversary for me because it's oh, the yeah. gift that keeps on giving with my face plant, and uh, now I got it in a frame. It's going to go behind my uh my uh studio set that i have downstairs so that everybody that watches me when i do my videos will see that uh it's something that uh i pride myself in and something that it's a funny memory that'll last forever yeah one of the greatest gifts hockey gif and gifts that hockey has ever right. given us exactly Exactly. And I just want to give a shout out i want to give a shout out to you ab because i remember when we were having soup club just less than 2 weeks ago you probably planted the best seed of a prop play that I've ever seen in Pyotr Kochekov for the Calder Trophy winner. And 
I never love to give you credit, but I got to give you credit on that one, man, because I think you yep. might have found a hidden gem with the way he's playing and the potential he has to win the call of the trophy. Now, 200 to 1 was what you had told me and AK was at at the time, and now it's 3 to 1. Yes. So you were way ahead of that boat, buddy. It was no more than three weeks ago. The guy was 200 to 1 on some sports books, and now he's the yeah. second shortest odds behind Matt Beniers at like three, plus 330 or something like that. Could have got him at plus 2,000. Yeah. Uh, you know, wow. I, I, I keep my eyes on what's going on in the league. I keep my eyes. Appreciate the little shout out, Coco. Nice job, AB. <laughs> All right, Coco. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll chat with you later and uh, listen to you tomorrow morning on First Up. Okay, boys. Merry Christmas. Have a good holiday. You as well. There he is. Carlo Goliakovo, former Maple Leafs defenseman and uh, co-host of First Up with uh, Karolnik and Goliakovo, Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Yeah, Kachekov, he's having a hell of a season, man. Yes. Hell of a season. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later on today, what he's been able to do. But he's right now, he's definitely at the top of my list, uh, the front runner, if you will, for the Calder Trophy. We got some updates from practice. Maybe we can go through those on the other side. We'll also get to uh, some stays and our goes from last night's victory performance over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Then we got Jimmy Ralph coming up at 125. He was calling the game. So that's got cooking on today's show. I'm Mike DiStefano with uh, Dave Feshuk of the Toronto Star. It was an Elise lunch here on TSN 1050. Bad again. Now back to Leafs lunch. On TSN 1050, the Leafs live here. My bad habits lead to late nights and in alone. Conversations with a stranger I barely know. Swearing this will be the last, but it probably Lease Busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie. A piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com. It's Mike DiStefano with Dave Feshuk of the Toronto Star. Julia Tichieri out on World Juniors beat for the next couple of weeks. Um, but we got some practice updates, Dave. Uh, it looks like the mm-hmm. team out there doing their skate in between game days. Coming off a win last night against Tampa. They got the Philadelphia Flyers and John Tortorella that they'll have to take on tomorrow. And tomorrow's, it's the next-gen game, isn't it? A little 2 That's p.m. Right. start. It's going to be a, an interesting game. I guess tomorrow's show will... I guess technically be a bit of a preview game preview for that. That's right. Um, but it looks like it'll we'll, we'll get a chance to uh, to see Dryden Hunt in action. Looks like he's out there skating around in a regulars jersey in practice uh, in place of Zach Aston Reese on the fourth line. Um, what do you make of that? Dryden Hunt getting into his first action and out comes Zach Aston Reese. Well, look, the, you know Sheldon Keefe has talked about it all year. I, he loves the idea of internal competition. And so here it is, right? That like now you got a new guy in town with, you know, with eye on bottom six minutes. And so for the likes of Wayne Simmons and Zach Aston Reese, uh, it's going to mean that you're competing with Dryden Hunt here. And we know what Dryden Hunt brings, man. He brings that Dan Kelly yeah. physicality is what he brings. <laughs> and so he's going to be hitting people. Brings the jam. He brings the jam, as they say. But I, I was a little surprised because I thought – if we saw him, because Dryden Hunt, he could play the left and the right wing. He's versatile in that way. I thought maybe Joey Anderson was going to be the guy who comes out, but I guess they want to keep getting some looks at Joey Anderson to, to you know keep giving him that opportunity. They know what they have in Zach Aston Reese, I suppose. And Dryden Hunt, to me, is, I mean, he's 
a carbon copy, I guess, of what Zach Aston Reese can bring you. Maybe he hits a little harder than Zach Aston mm-hmm. Reese, but you know he's a guy who's not going to provide you a whole lot of offense, and he's pretty reliable and good in his own end. So we'll get an opportunity to see what Dryden Hunt's all about. He'll be wearing the number 20, which our uh, good pal Frank Corrado once upon a time donned. So maybe there's some magic in that number 20 That's right. potentially for Dryden Hunt, although... I don't know if Frankie would say there's much magic there. Maybe some bad luck with that number. But he'll get his opportunity to play tomorrow. Um, Rasmus Sandin absent from practice today after sustaining a neck injury last night. We haven't even touched about touched on that yet, but he left the mm-hmm. game um, early in the second period. So he is not uh, – I just got a text from Frankie. I left a lot of goals in that number for him. So <laughs> There you go. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe try. There you go, Dryden. So go go out there and score those goals that Frankie didn't. Um, but yeah, Sandine absent from practice, uh, so he'll get, Sheldon Keefe says, at this point, I'd say it's more precautionary more than anything. We're going to need some time for things to settle to know exactly what is happening and what his status might be. Um, that's, that's a weird statement, isn't it? Like, it's precautionary, but we need to, some things to settle before we know exactly what's going on. Like, what, what did you make of that comment well, from Sheldon Keefe last night? I mean, look, when you hear when you hear those words, but we need some things to settle, sometimes that means there's swelling or there's inflammation. Yeah. So before they're going to get accurate imaging on exactly what went on in the area of concern, maybe they need you know the swelling or the inflammation to go down so they can get the requisite MRI slash X-ray, whatever it may be. So that's what I take from that, but who knows? I mean, it, it, obviously, it's concerning, though. Neck injuries, nothing to fool around with and and so you you have to be a little bit concerned but until we know more you know you don't want to overreact right and uh it's going to be jordy ben will be in place of rasmus sandin skating alongside timothy lilligren and they've got geo and hall brody and timmons uh as the other d pairings and we also got a, a bit of an update last night from Darren Dreger about Morgan Riley, too. Um, expected mm-hmm. to be out another two weeks, he says, maybe as long as three. So, you know, there's been some vague talk from Maple Leaf side about how long Morgan Riley could be out for. We know that he's skating again, which is obviously a good and positive sign. So Darren Dreger uh, says, yeah, two, maybe three weeks or so. So we'll get to see him at some point uh, in the new year, maybe, you know, early to mid-January. And, you know, I, I, what we were talking about with Carlo, I, I think is important that once this team gets healthy, because they really started to buy in and play that full team defensive game when these injuries started to occur, right? That's when we yeah. saw a lot of those forwards buying in, going, having five guys beyond the hash marks. Something interesting, too, that, that I picked up on, and which is why I'm glad that, that we had that conversation with Carlo. He said it's more about how it's allowed them to be connected offensively, where they have an outlet that's four feet away as opposed to, you know, 24 feet away right. in a long stretch pass, which early in the year was causing, you know, turnover, sloppy play, and, you know, the, trying to transition back. It, it was costly for them sometimes. So I'm hoping that, though, once Riley comes back, they just they, they continue to play the, the way that they are playing because they really have bought in and, and they've played exceptional over the last uh, about six weeks or so, like I yeah. said, second in the NHL and in goals against, and that's through a lot of adversity. You know, goaltending is a big part of it. Both Samsonov and, and Matt Murray have been exceptional, but I think just the whole team, like there's there's not many guys you can point to and, and say, hey, they've got to pick their 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 you know feet up. They've got to play better. They got to play harder. The team as a whole has really bought in and gelled these last six weeks. No, it really has, and and you're right. It's it's exactly. It's exactly that thing that you talked about, about the 
favoring the four foot pass over the twenty four foot pass because we know what the problem has been Al's brother in so many of the of their bad moments before this latest stretch where they've been an impeccable defensive team and it's been the 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 fatal flaw the giveaway the 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 pizza up the middle the yep. you know the 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 turnover at the offensive blue line that leads to a three on two going the other way we we see that so often when we look at the clips of their of their lesser moments and 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 the losses that they've been put they put together before this and the slow start they had to the season this year there was a lot of that stuff and we just haven't been seeing that like you look at yesterday it's it's astonishing that you could outshoot a team the quality of Tampa Bay by 40 to 19 that you could you know out expected goal them by 80% to 20% those are season high numbers house brother and 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 the reason they were able to put those up was exactly the kind of play you're talking about which is just make the smart play don't beat yourself stay above the puck and then take what the uh, defense gives you because guess what Tampa Bay Lightning were giving it away an awful lot yesterday and the Maple Leafs took advantage of those turnovers yeah, 11 giveaways last night for the for the Lightning, only nine for the Maple Leafs. So, you know, you're winning that that giveaway takeaway um department and you know, that's that's going to bode well for this team a lot. Why don't we uh why don't we actually take a break? When we come back, we can get back into last night's game and get into our stays and our goes. So, we'll take a quick break and we'll get back and we'll get back into that stuff. Uh I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Feshuk of the Toronto Star. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch. On TSN 1050, the Leafs live here. Well, I suppose we should get going. All right, everybody, stay right where you are. Get the hell out of here. No, you stay here. You got to get going, so go. I'm sorry you came. Time now for stay. Nobody got a gun to your head. Or go. I'll be back. I want you to stay. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards, available for purchase at Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. Uh, it's time for Stay or Go, Dave. It's uh, it's a little bit that we do after every single Maple Leafs game. Some things we liked from the game, some things we want to see go from their game. Uh, but last night was a, a pretty sound performance, so I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of goes. Uh, so why don't we start there, I suppose, because one of the big things, I guess, that, that we've got to talk about as as the goes was something we were chatting about with, with Carlo, and that was the whole linesman dispute with Michael Bunting, Dan Kelly, shoving Bunting down the tunnel. Um, I think we have a, a clip from last night, Darren Dreger, and he was kind of talking about it and what he thinks of the interaction and what the league thinks. So why don't we play that uh, clip right here? Well, they don't love it. I mean, that's pretty obvious, and nor would Stephen Wacom, who's the head of officiating. This is Dan Kelly, uh, a young linesman, relatively new to the National Hockey League. That is aggressively forcing Michael Bunting off the field of play, right? But that was part of a skirmish at the end of the first period. So what happens next? I, I doubt that anyone should expect a level of discipline to mm-hmm. Dan Kelly from an NHL perspective. I'd be surprised if there isn't an apology from Dan Kelly to Michael Bunting saying, I was a bit overzealous there. And most definitely there'll be a conversation between Wacom and Dan Kelly. We're used to seeing the emotion yeah. in a game between Toronto and the Tampa Bay Lightning, mm-hmm. just not involving an official. So I think that we can all agree that uh, you know altercations like that, the, those can go. Um, but we'll see what ends up coming of Dan Kelly. I don't think it'll be anything 
you know, more than maybe a little slap on the wrist. Hey, don't do that again. No, young official, right? He's only been yeah. in the game, I think I saw, since 2001. He's been a professional. No, 2021. 2021. 2021. He's been a professional official, so still early in the game. And, hey, I mean, he was a feisty guy when he was playing, you know, back in the American League, right? So yeah. sometimes you got to rein in those emotions. You have that chat. I'm sure there'll be an apology. Hey, man, that's my bad. Maybe there was out there, like, after the second period. Maybe there was some sort of chat. But um, certainly, you know, we don't need to see that type of stuff. Just limits, no. limit what could have happened, I suppose. Well, exactly, exactly. Like it's 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 just be more professional, like Dan. Yeah. And you you always wonder about the the backstories of these these types of interactions because, you know, you know, Michael Bunting has made a lot of enemies on the ice. He's played in the AHL. Dan <laughs> Kelly was a longtime AHLer. Heck, yeah. Dan Kelly played. They played against Sheldon. each other. Yeah, they played against each other. And Dan Kelly played for Sheldon Keefe when you know Sheldon Keefe was an assistant coach with the Pembroke Lumber Kings way oh. back in the the mid two thousands. And uh, and Dan Kelly was an aspiring hockey player back then in 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 you know the the low junior ranks. So you just never know what's going on here. But clearly there was something a little more than professional going on there because that was not yeah. a professional moment by Dan Kelly. You know what I find hilarious about this? Yesterday, we were on the show talking about the Kale McCarr thing, and you know, in his comment, he was like, yeah, I saved the ref from a little bit of a media skirmish, I suppose. And then the very next day, this is what's like leading all sports radio here in Toronto is Dan Kelly, the official. Yeah. And what went down, it's just really funny um, when you juxtapose the two nights. Uh, something that you want to see go from last night, though, Dave. What do I want to see go? I want to see... John Cooper's lack of respect for the Maple Leafs go. Uh, you know, we 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 played the clip. Let's oh, and let's play the some of the John Cooper post game sound if we got it. As I said to the guys, I I don't know what part of the game they reinvented that uh, <laughs> had us perform like that, but it was uh, I don't know. Note to self: Don't come to Toronto three days before the game. That was painfully evident because uh, we uh, we definitely did not show up tonight. So I've heard Al's brother. I've heard coaches complain about scheduling disadvantages, like coming into Toronto the second night of a back to back. Like that's pretty disingenuous to say we had a bad game because we were in Toronto for three days before the game. Like we were yeah. too rested. Like come on, man. This isn't exactly like Las Vegas. It's not Party Central. You play in Tampa, which is a party town. Right. Uh, the idea that living in being in Toronto for a couple of days was the reason you lost that game is it, it stretches credulity in a big way, and it and it just makes it. If you're a Leaf fan, it's it's really hard. It's really hard to take John Cooper seriously sometimes. I'm honestly not surprised, though, because this, this has become a pattern for John Cooper. Pre-game, he's all flowers. He's talking up the Toronto Maple Leafs, talking up you know Austin Matthews. It's incredible. He's going to score 71 day. And then they go, and the team loses, and now he's kind of backed into a corner. And instead of giving the Leafs credit, flowers, for the way that they performed, he always talks about his own team not performing. Never says, hey, the good, that team played well tonight. They're the better squad. Never. Even after game no. one of the playoffs last year, he just said, we didn't show up tonight. Didn't give credit to how well Toronto played. Killing off, what was it, a five-man uh, penalty after the Cal Clifford thing in game one of the That's playoffs? That's right. That, that set up that monstrous game one. Didn't credit them for that. Instead, he just talks about how poorly his team played without actually you know, saying Toronto did their thing well. I agree. It's it's really become a, a pattern in John Cooper's game. He's a wordsmith. He, he He's a troll for Toronto yeah. fans. He trolls well, Toronto. 
He's good at it. He really is. He's pretty good. It makes you wonder. It makes you wonder if maybe Sheldon Keefe got outfoxed by relaying to the media after the Maple Leafs were eliminated (laughs) about the respect and the handshake line that he got from from John Uh, Cooper and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Because guess what? You can't take anything John Cooper says at face value. Yeah, isn't he like a former lawyer or something? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, so he he's 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 good with his words. He knows what he's doing. Everything he says is is he's with a purpose. Yeah. All no right, doubt. let's get to let's get to some states because there's a lot more states. It was a great game, right? Four one win. Toronto in control for a majority of that game. Maybe you know six minutes or so in that third period. Tampa was pressing, but Toronto for the most part very stingy defensively. I thought yeah. um, they only allowed six slot shots in the entire game compared to Toronto's 23. They held Tampa to just 38% um, ozone entry rate success, so they did a good job of not allowing Tampa to break into the zone and set up. And just in general, like what was it, 10 minutes through the first period um, at some point where they, they didn't allow a single shot on goal. Yeah. And I just think that Toronto is really bought in defensively um, and, and just, you know, let's, let's have that stay, right? That stingy diesel right. play. Keep it up. Totally. I mean, that's the you know to hold Tampa to nineteen shots. Tampa, that's, that's, Tampa, that's Tampa, Tampa to nineteen shots. It was eight shots through two periods. Just an incredible performance. Kept and to your point. Kept them out of the middle. Then a lot of the shots were from the perimeter. Not not threatening at all. Matt Murray did not have a, you know any heavy lifting at all. And uh, no, it's it's very impressive. That was Tampa's lowest shot total of the season going back, I believe, wow. uh, to November 2021. So it's a that, no one's done that to Tampa is what we're trying to say here. And the Leafs did it to him last night. There you go. There you go. Uh, another thing that I, I I wanted to mention as one of my stays was just Michael Bunting being uh, being a factor throughout the yes. entire game, right? Whether it was being the Energizer Bunny, giving energy to his line, to his team. Um, you know, making smart plays, scoring the goal, the first goal of the game on a beautiful one-timer that he unleashed, and and it was his hundredth point of his career. Not a bad way to hit a hundred points in your career in the National Hockey League with a nice little one-timer top yeah. corner on Vasilevsky to to get your team off to a one nothing lead. That was a world-class one-timer, and I I liked all of that stuff. And I, I think Austin Matthews put it well. He called he called his teammate Michael Bunting a beast out there, and he was yeah. like he was he was a beast and he was a pest. And the other thing about mm-hmm. him, the other thing I really like and I think is is vital. And one of the reasons that he got demoted earlier in the season because he wasn't kind of doing this enough early in the season uh, to Sheldon Keefe's liking, and, and Sheldon Keefe certainly made that known was that he's, he's drawing the anger of, of the opponent, right? You saw Sergachev just got fined 5000 bucks for a pretty cheap slash <laughs> to the hand of Michael Bunting behind the play. Uh, we saw Nikita Kucherov bury Michael Bunting into the boards uh, yeah. with full view of Michael Bunting's numbers, by the way, and only draw a two-minute interference penalty when really that should have been a boarding call. Oh, absolutely. No doubt about it. And, and really, it's the second time that Kucherov's done that to a Maple Leaf uh, in recent memory, of course, getting Justin Hall on a very similar play uh, in a previous meeting. So, But Bunting is leading the league, Al's brother, in drawing penalties again. And he was up there last year, too. And, and there's a reason for that. And there's a, there's a massive positive in that for the Maple Leafs. When he's drawing penalties, he's playing well. You know what, what I thought about last night uh, during all of this and seeing Michael Bunting have the impact that he had was if he was healthy in that seven-game series last year, maybe would have went a different way. Yeah. And if they play again come April of this year, if he's healthy 
maybe it can go their way. Because if you'll recall, he was coming back from that injury. He wasn't really a factor. He wasn't being a pest. He wasn't, um, you know, factoring in offensively. And, and it just wasn't the Michael Bunting that we had come to, to grow and love, I suppose, as mm-hmm. that stretch run of that trio was really on fire. But we're starting to see that again this season. And last night, maybe his best game of the season, one of at the very least. And if he can bring that energy and bring that type of impact in a playoff performance against this team, who if the it was you know playoff start today, that's who you're playing. I mean, if it's a coin flip series, as John Cooper alluded to yesterday, maybe that edge can get put on Toronto's side with, uh, yep. with a healthy and impactful Michael Bunting. Yeah, for sure. I'll give you another stay, Al's brother. It's a little bit of a fashion stay. I want those Austin Matthews skates to stay, <laughs> baby. Those skates that are like yellow, green, and red in the spirit of the ugly Christmas sweater that I, you know, Austin Matthews wore into the rink. Uh, part of that whole sick kids charity thing. Yeah. It's a charity endeavor, but I, I'm I'm big on a little bit of flash in the skate department. The traditional black, and I know there's a lot of players. I'm sure I'm sure all the ex players that work for TSN Radio are, are rolling their eyes that I'm that I'm saying this, but I, I like skate fashion. I I wish skates were a little more daring, a la basketball sneakers. Yeah. I think I think the players want it too, or at least some of them do. But of course, we live in a world where if you wear yellow laces, a lot of guys want to take your head off. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's the old the old school hockey. And I'm not sure that's going to change. But maybe when you're Austin Matthews and you are one of the best players in the league, you can get away with it. And maybe you can maybe nudge it forward a little bit because well, I think it's fun. I know the NFL does a Mike leads my cause month um, where they auction them off for charity. And maybe the NHL can look into doing something like that with uh, with their skates. So uh, we'll see. But I'm I'm hoping that happens as well because it's nice to show a little bit of personality. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with that at all. All right, Jim Ralph, he was calling the game last night. He'll join us uh, in the 1 o'clock hour. We're going to continue our five days of Christmas also in the next hour. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Feshuk of the Toronto Star. Listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.